I'm Tom Higginbotham, elder at CCC. I'm reading from Romans 12:2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Hey everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Uh, really glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Uh, welcome those of you over in our East service and those of you who are tuning in on the internet. Welcome. All right. Well, I hope you had a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, this is what I know, that there are 1,500 families in this surrounding community that had a better Thanksgiving than they would have had had it not been for you. Because we were able, yeah, thank you. We were able to distribute 1,500 Thanksgiving baskets, each one able to feed as many as 10 people. And I tried to do the calculations uh, for that, for how much it costs for the average uh, basket and times 1,500. And that means that we gave away between $75,000 to $100,000 worth of food this Thanksgiving. And I just wanted to thank each of you that did a basket and I especially want to thank those of you who volunteered here on Monday and worked tirelessly from dawn to way past dusk, uh, receiving the baskets, repacking the baskets, and then delivering them. You guys did an amazing job. And I want to especially thank Judy Dalton. It was her idea in the first place some 10 years ago. She is the heart and soul behind the Thanksgiving Baskets Initiative. And it started out with a couple of dozen baskets, and it's grown to 1,500. So I love that we do that. I love you guys for the way that you jump into stuff like that. So thank you. All right. You guys look like you're going to clap. Don't. All right. <clears throat> we are at the very end. <laughs> okay, there's some smart locks out there. We're at the very end of our 10-week uh, series called uh, 10 Sentences to Change Your Life based on the book of Romans. And if you've been paying attention, uh, Paul has been building a case. He's been making an argument for who Jesus is, why we need him, and then what Jesus has done. And the argument goes something like this. Uh, there is something wrong with this world. That's a tough one to argue with. All you have to do is pay attention to the news on any given week. Like this past 10 days, there was a, a tennis star from China who went missing because she accused one of the officials of sexual abuse. There was a man who drove an SUV through a parade, killing six innocent people. There was looting on stores out west. It's easy to see that something is wrong with our world, especially when it's them. And when I say that, what I mean is the people who, who do the things we would never do. I would never loot a Louis Vuitton store. I wouldn't even know what to take, right? <laughs> so it's easy to look and say, that's what's wrong with our world. But then Paul turns it and he says, he makes it much more personal. And he says, the problem with the world is not just them. That's Romans 1. He says, the problem with the world is you and me. That's Romans 2. And three, and the, the fact that we don't think we're the problem means that we are the biggest problem of all. 
right? What Paul says is that the world is broken. Now, let me just stop there for a minute, let you think about that. When we know that the world is broken, what we are saying is the world was not created to be like it is. It was created to be something different. A parade should never turn into a war zone. Stores should not be looted. We know that the world was created to be different than what it is. And if we're honest, we know the same thing is true about each one of us, that we are broken, that we are not what we are created to be, what we should be, want to be, ought to be, right? And what Paul says in Romans is that God, instead of taking us like so many broken toys and throwing us away, he sent Jesus. And Jesus came into this world, and he was the only person that was ever not broken. He lived his entire life and was unbroken, something that made him different than anyone else who has ever lived. And then he offered to switch places with us. He offered to be broken so that we could be healed. That's Isaiah chapter 53. This is what it says. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. So Paul says, this is what Jesus came to do. This is why we need Jesus. And the way that it actually becomes real for you is when you believe it. That's Romans chapter 10. When you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. And that makes sense if you think about it. I told you last week that my daughter, who lives in Houston, gave birth to her firstborn. And my wife was there in Houston with her, and I was here with you, and I got a text telling me that I had a new grandson. Now, that was the news. I could either believe it or disbelieve it. Whether I believed it or disbelieved it, it had no impact on the event itself. I had a new grandson. But if I disbelieved the news, that means the birth of my new grandson would have no impact on me. I would miss out on the joy. Listen, if you're here and you are not yet a Christian, then that you disbelieving the death and resurrection of Jesus does not change the fact that he died and resurrected. All it means is that the death and resurrection of Jesus has never been able to impact you yet. All right? But when you believe What Paul says is something begins to change inside of you, right? And that brings us to this place, and that's his argument. And we get to Romans chapter 12. And in Romans chapter 12, the very first word in Romans chapter 12 is therefore. And what Paul is saying is, is if everything I've said is true and you believe everything I've said so far, then this is the way... It should change you today. And that brings us to the sentence for today. And it's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And you heard it read, but this is what it says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
All right, I'm going to give you three points. And if you're here and you're new and you're wondering why I always give three points if it's in the bylaws of our church, it's not. For me, it's just easiest for me to remember things if I have three kind of points. And I'm hoping that it makes it easy for you to remember as well. So here are your three things to remember. That Paul, what Paul is saying here, he's giving us something not to do that's easy to do. He's giving us something to do that's hard to do, and he's telling us exactly how to do it. Something not to do that's easy to do, something to do that's hard to do, and then three, exactly how to do it. First, something not to do that's easy to do. He says, do not be conformed to this world. One of the most powerful commercials I ever saw uh, was an anti-smoking commercial. There was no kind of dialogue in this commercial. What it showed was a father walking with his son. It looked like his son might have been about five years old. And the father, they're dressed a little bit alike, and the father is walking in front of the son, and the son's walking just like his dad. The dad reaches down, picks up a rock, and he skips it into a pond. And you see the little boy look for a rock, and he picks up a rock, and he throws it just like his dad. And then his dad sits down next to a tree and leans back against the tree. And the little boy sits down on the other side of the tree and leans back against the tree, and he crosses his legs just like his dad. And his dad reaches for a pack of cigarettes, pulls out a cigarette, puts it in his mouth, and puts the pack down beside him. And the commercial ends with the little boy picking up the pack of cigarettes and looking in the pack of cigarettes. The reason it's so powerful is that we know as human beings, we learn through imitation. We learn through modeling, right? Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. What is he talking about? And what makes it bad? I read a book uh, years and years ago. And the, the title of the book was Who Switched the Price Tags? And the book began with the author uh, telling a story about uh, what he did when he was a, a young boy with another friend. They decided to pull what they thought was going to be a, a hilarious prank. They broke into the general store in their little town. And instead of stealing something, they spent all night switching price tags. So the next morning, when people went into the store, they could uh, see a washing machine on sale for $1.99, a pack of gum cost $250, uh, a roll of tape cost $400. It was that kind of thing, and they just thought that was the funniest thing in the world. It's a pretty good prank. The author goes on to say he feels like that's what's happened to our world. That something has happened to our world where somebody has come in and they switched all the price tags so that the things that should not be very valuable become extremely valued in our world. And the things that should be valuable are not seen as having much value in our world. I read this week that LeBron James got suspended for the first time in his 19-year basketball career. He was suspended for one game. Now, in the NBA, when you are suspended for a game, you lose your salary for that game. All right? That means LeBron James lost $284,000, which is what he earns 
per game in an 82-game season. Actually, it's $284,004 is what he makes. I looked up uh, on the internet what the average annual salary is for a firefighter here in the state of Ohio. The average annual salary for a firefighter here in the state of Ohio is $50,192. Which is more valuable? Somebody who can throw a basketball through a hoop or somebody who will run to your house when it's on fire, risk his life to pull you out and put out the fire. Right? It's crazy. But that's not just an anomaly. That is indicative of our whole world. There is something wrong with our world and the values that we have. I read one theologian said that there, in our world, there is a relentless pressure for pleasure, possessions, power, success, and being right. There is a relentless pressure. This is what we value the most. Personal pleasure, possessions, power, success, and being right. Watch any commercial, any TV show, any movie, read any magazine, listen to any song, and it's hard to argue that those are the values of our world. What if they're not the right values? What if that's part of the brokenness of our world? What if that is what contributes to your own brokenness, to my own brokenness? And if those are not the values, what are the values? What was this world supposed to value? Uh, Jesus, in arguably his most famous sermon, which is the Sermon on the Mount, starts out the Sermon on the Mount with what are called the Beatitudes. And this is what he says. These are the Beatitudes. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive Mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. What if those are the values that this world was built to have? What if instead of us focusing on things that give us pleasure or our possessions or power, or success, or being right all the time, what if our real value was compassion and mercy and purity and love? What would the world be like if that was true? Right? I, I have a favorite movie. My favorite movie is Chariots of Fire. And in Chariots of Fire, it tells the story of a, uh, of a man named Eric Little. True story. Eric Little uh, won the gold medal in the 1924 Olympics for the 400-meter uh, dash. Right? Now, he was actually a sprinter. He was supposed to run the 100. Uh, he was from Scotland. He was running for Great Britain. 
Uh, but he uh, got disqualified for the 100 because he wouldn't run on Sunday because that was God's day. That was the Sabbath. Eric Little was a very, very fine man. He went on to be a missionary to China. The producers of Chariots of Fire were not Christians. And they are worried about uh, presenting the true story of Eric Little. So they were digging into his life to try to find someone who would tell them something bad about Eric Little. They wanted texture, and finally they couldn't find it, so they went to his sister, Jenny, and they asked her if they could make her uh, into somebody who was more self-righteous, who was into their own thing, who was selfish, who was into power. Because what they were afraid of is that they put Eric Little's life on the screen, no one would be able to identify with him because it was like he was from a different world. Do you hear what they're saying? They were saying they found a Christian they wanted to make a movie about, but they didn't want to make the movie because they couldn't have people identify with him because his value system was so different. What would this world be like? What would commercials be like if they were about mercy and compassion and love and purity? What would movies be like? What would you be like? What would this church be like? You know what you'd be like? You'd be like Jesus. Right? Jesus comes into this world. If everybody else is in black and white, Jesus is in living color. He stood out in complete contrast because his values were so different from this world. And what Paul says is if you believe in Jesus, if you understand what Jesus came to do, then you too can be transformed. Okay, that brings me to my second point which is Paul gives us something to do that's hard to do. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now, it's really interesting to me that Paul doesn't say, don't be conformed to this world, but be conformed to Jesus. Right? Why does he say transformed instead of conformed? What's the difference? Well, if you have ever raised teenagers, you might know the difference. Right? If you're raising teenagers, you spend an awful lot of time trying to get them to conform. Right? You're trying to get them to, to pick up their clothes, to, to make their beds, to clean their rooms, to brush their teeth, just to be, to, you're trying to make them into human beings, like, like a real human being. Right? And it's like a daily battle, and all of a sudden, something changes. Right? They meet somebody of the opposite sex, and all the changes that you've been trying to force them to make, they begin to make. It's like they become a different person. That's transformed. Transformation comes from the inside out. Conforming goes from the outside in. Be really careful. If your Christian life ever becomes conforming, the way you know is that your Christian life will become about things to do and things not to do. Right, that you'll have a list. This is what I should do, and this is what I shouldn't do. And it will become very, very clear, and it, it'll be a list for you to accomplish. Paul doesn't say conform. He says transform. Paul, before he met Jesus, was a Pharisee. A Pharisee took the law of God and tried to conform their lives to it from the outside in. Long lists of to-dos and not-to-dos. Paul was not transformed until he met Jesus. So that brings me to my third point, 
then how do we do it? How do we do it? This is what Paul says. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Again, really interesting to me. Paul says the way you be transformed is you have to think. You have to think. Christianity is a thinking man's religion. It's a thinking woman's religion. You want to be transformed, you got to learn to think, Paul says, by the renewal of your mind. That's what I think he means. It's a map of the world. All right, and in this map of the world, the red represents uh, the countries where you drive on the right side of the road. The blue countries are countries where you drive on the left side of the road. Okay, I have spent my entire life from the time I was 15 or 16 driving on the right side of the road. It's probably a couple of million miles I have driven cars on the right side of the road. If I ever moved to one of the other countries, to London, let's say, I would suppose every morning I would have to wake up and remind myself that I needed to drive on the other side of the road. Try to think through what it means to make a right-hand turn or a left-hand turn and stay on the lane that I should stay in. Listen, if you are going to be transformed, what do you have to remind yourself of every day? If your life, if you live in a culture where everything around you is screaming that the values you should have are pleasure, possessions, power, success, and being right, how will you remind, what do you need to remind yourself of to actually be transformed into somebody who has a totally different set of values? The reason that I spend time with God every day is this. This is the reason. Um, I spend time throughout my week studying the Bible so I can do what I'm doing right now, so I can preach to you or teach. But every day I spend time with God because if, if all the world is trying to push me one way with certain values, how am I going to drive on the other side of the road? And the answer is I have to remind myself every day of who God is, who I am, and what Jesus came to do. One of the reasons that I have loved the 97-day prayer guide, and we are like on day 91 today, is that it's all about the Lord's Prayer. So every week we have been looking at the Lord's Prayer. And I think Michael Huerta did a great job in bringing out different things. But the Lord's Prayer has everything I need in it to remind myself of who God is, who I am, and what Jesus came to do. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Listen, if I really believe that, if I believe that God is my father, that because of what Jesus has done, I've been adopted as his son, if I really believe that 
God's kingdom is coming, and I am part of that kingdom already. If I really believe that God cares about me so much that he will provide for my deepest daily needs, if I really believe that God loves me enough to forgive me, if I really believe that, then I can move away from wanting possessions and pleasure and power and success and being right all the time because I don't need that because God has already given me everything I need because he gave me Jesus. On the days that I really believe that, on the days that I remind myself of who God is, who I am, and what Jesus came to do, those are the days when I live the most transformed. And that's true of you too. So at the end of this series, this 10-week series on the book of Romans, if all that Paul has said is true and you really believe it, then I end by saying this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, uh, we come to you. And I want to be the first one to confess that uh, the values of this world are so strong that there are so many times where I'm concerned about my own uh, pleasure, my own rightness, my own possessions, instead of being all about mercy and compassion and love and purity and the values that you came to give. I pray for all of us here uh, in this church that you will help us, those of us who believe in you, who believe that what Paul has said is true, I pray that you would remind us that you will help us to renew our minds in such a way that we will be transformed instead of conforming to this world. Thanks for Jesus. Thanks for a wonderful Savior. We pray this in his name. Amen.